taking command is a story of how God, through a few questing and engrailed master masons operating in America, gave the world the gift of spiritual freedom. Scene 17. Captain Knowlton, on his way from the redoubt, 200 yards behind it, with his men to protect Trivet and his field pieces, comes upon a long ditch. Just ahead of the ditch is a flimsy fence made of stone at the top and rails of wood at the bottom, running parallel to the ditch, across the width of the peninsula to the Mystic River. Knowlton and his men stop and decide to modify it to make it stronger by stuffing recently mowed and still green grass, rocks, and wood in between the rails of wood. To a distant observer, it will now seem to be bulletproof. Captain Knowlton, all right, men, great job. Trevette can handle himself over there. This will stop the redcoats. What was Prescott thinking? His redoubt is protected now. Keep it up, men. Scene 18. Colonel Stark and Reed's regiments have reached the top of Bunker Hill. Colonel Israel Putnam is in charge atop his white horse and not in dress uniform. There is general disorder and his men look idle. Stark says, Colonel Putnam, are we needed to help with your fortifications or should we march on and reinforce Prescott in the redoubt? We have everything under control here, Putnam says. March on, Colonel Stark. Will do. Stark looks at Reed and squints up his face with, Putnam doesn't know what he's doing. Reed nods, now removed a bit. Reed, we march to the redoubt. Why isn't Putnam helping out? Stark says some are better at receiving orders than taking command. Wasn't he in the French Indian with you? Yes. Was he different then? No. Scene 19. Colonel Stark and Reed and their troops are marching toward the redoubt of Prescott, but soon on their right, they see Captain Knowlton and his troop at the rail fence. On their left are the Mystic River, and half mile to the south, they see 2,000 British regulars landing in launch crafts. Colonel Stark says, Reed, what was Prescott thinking? His redoubt ain't going to hold back all those regulars. Stark pointing and laughing, right. Reed nodding and shaking his head. Major Andrew McClary, a big strapping Irishman who loves his pints, has joined them. Colonel Reed says, that fence being built ahead by Captain Knowlton's men is somewhat of a solution. See that diagonal gap between the fence and the redoubt? It needs something. Yeah, it does, Stark says. What? Reed says, Fletches. A what? Fletches. A field work consisting of two faces forming an angle, a V, and having an open space. Yes, I see it, Stark says. We will use those fence rails for the Vs and dirt. McClary says, and we'll be needing fascines. They look at him. McClary says, long bundles of stick bundled together. 
You've done this before, McClary. I thought all you did was hit the publican houses before I dried you out. McClary proudly says, Sure, in between me pints, I had me work on our McClary farm. <laughs> well, I'll be, Stark says. All right then, Andrew, my boy, you're in charge of the fascines, McClary says. Reed says, McClary, yes, sir. Position your fascines between the breastwork and the rail fence. Then Stark, some of our men will stay here to attack the left flank of any regulars who approach the rail fence. Stark says, gotcha, and let's extend the fence further so there are no openings. Reed nods. Knowlton has joined them. Glad to see you, boys. Stark says, we'll lend a hand and extend the fence to the beach. My boys will fortify the fence with fistfuls of hay. Knowlton says, and remember to leave a gap every so often for a rifle to fit through. McClary says, yeah, we'll show those English what we're about. They won't know what hit them. We may not attend fox hunts, but squirrels are a lot harder to drill. Laughter. McClary says, you men there, come with me. Let's knock this job out. Scene 20. It's noon, 100 degrees. In the redoubt, Colonel Prescott's troop has been reduced by desertion from 1,000 to 150 men. The wretched men are clustered around the earthen walls, watching the British prepare for their assault and glancing behind them to see if the promised reinforcements are coming. Jeremy says, I don't know how much longer I can last. Tom, me too. The redcoats will start up the hill at some point, Smith says. Must be waiting on something. A cup of tea, Tom laughs. Sounds good, Tom. Do you think reinforcements? They look to be 2,000 already. Tom says, if only Joseph Warren were here, I could wait forever and then fight with him. Smith says, look over there, pointing, all turn. Someone is coming. Look how he is dressed. In his wedding suit, Tom says. Can you tell who it is? No. Jeremy, my God, it's Joseph Warren, our guiding spirit of St. Andrew's Lodge. Warren here? Impossible, Tom says. Yes, it's our Warren. I can feel him. A mighty cheer goes up, led by Jeremy and Tom. All of them. It's Warren. It's Warren. Hip, hip, hooray. Warren comes in all smiles and greetings and approaches Prescott. Prescott says, you're alone? How did you get through? Straight across the neck, right through the cannonballs. It was easy. The fighting will be heaviest here, Prescott says. A general and a statesman? You should not be here, Warren. <laughs> Warren nods his head, smiling. Yes, this is the place for me. The men gather around. Have you come to take command, Prescott said? No, Colonel. You are more experienced than I, but I am happy to lend what assistance I can and let those damn rascals see that the Yankees will fight the good fight. Prescott, all I have with me is poetry. Would you have an extra musket? By God, I do warrant a retreating general did not feel right taking it, so he left it in his cartridge belt. And here, take this belt and sword. He hands it to Warren, who wraps around the cartridge belt with a practiced hand. 
Meant to be here, Prescott. Warren is very charismatic, and his spirit revitalizes the tired men. All are cheering, Warren, Warren, Warren. We've been waiting on Putnam, Prescott says, for his men, his water and food, but I dare say your arrival is almost as good. Warren says, here's my water flask. You men can have it, and remember the spirit is on hand. I can feel it. A sip is all you need. Make sure everyone gets some. Remember Jesus? With a few melons, he fed how many? Tom says, 5,000, Master Warren. Tom, is that you? Tom nods and points to Jeremy. Jeremy, too? God is on our side, for we are a true fellowship. Jeremy says, we feel God now. Fellowship of men, fatherhood of God. Warren smiles most approvingly and greets the other masons and men that he has fought with. Hello, Smith. Hello, Warren. We are blessed to fight another day for our sacred cause of freedom. Smith says, indeed we are. Glad you are here, sir. All are listening and another spontaneous cheer goes up. Warren addresses them. I know you all because I feel you all. Of one heart and one spirit are we to take on those who would subjugate and suppress our right to know God. The men cheer. The odds may seem stacked against us because we take on empire with many men and cannon. Men say so true as cannonballs land all around them. But know this, they will not prevail on this day. For this day we fight for our eternal freedom, allied with formidable spirit. I swear to you, God is our sacred cause. How do I know? I can feel him here with us, and I can tell from your glorious spirit you do as well. The men say, yes, he's right. I feel it. I feel it too. And me. Oh, yes, I feel God because Master Warren is here. Many Masons are here. We'll beat the English. Tom says, our Grand Master Mason Warren is the one. Jeremy, both say on. What was that, Tom says, never heard. A war cry. Paradise, I think. Isn't that funny? I just remembered it. Really? Jeremy says, my grandfather told me a story that goes back to the Crusaders, one that he heard from his great-great-grandfather and before, where my Templar family hails from near Westford, Mass. He said, when the call to arms went out, in the Holy Land, the Knights Templar asked not the numbers of the foe, but only where he may be found. Their battle flag, borne before them, which they call Beauseant, is two-colored, white and black, proclaiming that to friends of Christ they are radiant and kindly, but to his enemies dark and terrible. I'll tell you the rest later, but for now, Beauseant! Sounds good to me, Jeremy. Beauseant. Beauseant. Scene 21. Boston Harbor at the Mystic River. It is stifling hot now, and cannon fire is continuous. Generals William Howe and Brigadier Robert Pergot are at the water's edge, southeast of Prescott's Redoubt, atop Breed Hill, with 1,600 fully equipped men each with 
100 pounds of gear. Howe is looking through his field glass at the redoubt up the hill and to his right along the shore of the Mystic River where he intends to attack with his famed Welsh troops. Each general has a line of 10 companies, 300 men each, with another line behind. Howe speaks to Pagot as he continues looking through his glass. Pagot, I will take my force to the right out of sight by the river while you make a show of it coming up the front toward the redoubt outflank and then sweep around how is suddenly frozen by what he has seen through his glass pigot takes a look with his glass how says my god what's that they have extended their fortifications clever someone up on that hill has intuition Howe is no longer tense. He smiles. The subtext is, a competitive mind is at play here. Game on. Pagot says, ah, I see. There is a new rebel line extended to the river. Howe, while we were waiting for the tide, they have been busy. No matter. Pagot, you will proceed as planned up the left, and I will be on the right. We will take the emplacements by storm with bayonets, our 17 inchers. Pagot and gallantly crush them. Pagot salutes and goes off with his troops. Brief camera cut to some readying Howe's artillery of six field pieces. Two light 12-pounders and two howitzers. Before Howe advances with his columns, he turns to address his men and officers who were with him on Salisbury Plain near Stonehenge conducting drills. The men look eager and completely confident in their general Howe. Howe exudes the silent power and zeal of a spiritually wrought commander. I shall not desire one of you to go a step farther than where I go myself at your head. Remember, gentlemen, we have no recourse to any resources. If we lose Boston, but to go on board our ships, which will be very disagreeable to us all. The lines of redcoats receive their general's quiet and confident words within their selves. His immense presence set the tone as God's exquisite higher frequency pass from man to man, mirroring and then penetrating and swelling their ranks with illimitable zeal. This glorious effect grew stronger and stronger until it reached its climax in unwavering belief through feel at each man's X marks a spot in their mission. As they start the advance up the hill, the cannon fire desists. Howe leads his men from the first line with his officer's staff and his assistant with his wine flask in a leather holder. Scene 22. In Prescott's redoubt, the men on guard observe the redcoats advancing, while others are kneeling around Joseph Warren, who leads them in prayer and ends with, We trust the God of armies on whom we rely for a blessing upon our arms, which we have taken up in support of the great and fundamental principle of natural justice, which will direct us. Amen.
Amen, the men say. Some cross themselves while others cross their arms over their hearts and X marks the spot. Let him that has a steerage of our course direct our shot, a soldier scholar says. Hail to the bard, Warren replies. Soldiers who know, the bard, the bard. Laughter lightens the moment. Prescott comes over and the men circle round to hear. Men, the redcoats will never reach our redoubt if you hold your fire until I give the order. No wild shot. Careful. Aim at their hips. And above all, shoot the fine coats, the scarlet coats of the officers first. Horn says, I guess that means the redcoats will be firing at me. You're all lucky, for I have come dressed today. More laughter. Warren walks over to Jeremy and Tom. Ready, boys? Yes, sir. You're about to find out real quick what you are made of. God, sir, Jeremy says. Tom, we are masons, General Warren. We are not afraid of death. Both of them say, Glory is our reward. Scene 23. Colonel Stark and his men are at the extended rail fence. Quick cut downhill as we see what Stark and others are looking at. The six-foot Howe and his men advancing. Stark has positioned sharpshooters on raised high-position platforms with three men behind them who are readying loaded guns to pass forward and back for continuous fire. Confidence is high in these men whose lives have always been ones of shoot first or be shot. Cut to their left at the beach by the Mystic where some Americans are hidden behind stone works. Cut back to Stark. We who says, we are ready, men. Ammo is in short supply, so hold your fire until you see the whites of their eyes. Get the officer's scarlet coats first. Cut to Reed and McClary, who are waiting. Captain Trevette is seen with his cannon. Reed, are your men ready, McClary? Let's get this battle started, McClary says. Then pints are on me. A cheer goes up from Reed and all his men, including those in the arrow-shaped fletches. Sharpshooters ready, Reed asked. Ready. Cut to Knowlton and men. Whites of their eyes, scarlet coats. Pass the word. Sharpshooters, Knowlton asked. Ready. Cut to the beach. Where the British Welsh in their blue uniforms are advancing toward the hidden and very quiet American soldiers. The Americans wait until they can see the whites of the Welsh Brits' eyes, and then there is continuous sheets of fire. The Welsh are dropping in piles because there is nowhere to run. The river is on their right, and a nine-foot bank rises to their left. Cut to the higher ground where continuous sheets of fire Bursts from the rail fence, the fletches, and the redoubt. First line of redcoats stop, fire, and fall. And then the second British line bumps into the first line. Complete carnage. Captain Trevette's cannon fire is very effective. Rebel shouts are heard. Get that scarlet. The officers. There's one. There's one. Next gun. Hurry. You got him. You got him. What a shot. Soon we see the redcoats retreating and then running down the hill at a sprint to get away. As their officers try to stop them, we hear McClary yell to Trevette, You have made a furrow through them. Pints! 
pints on me. The Americans are quite pleased with their showing and raised their rifles high. We did it. We did it. We beat the English. Cut to the bottom of the hill. Some Brits have run to the water's edge. Howe is reordering his men at the bottom. The first officer says, Deadly fire from all batteries, sir. The second one, their mass fire raked us. On the quiet with his officer Patterson, Howe says, They were very good shots up there. Was not expecting that. His face tightens. Sherwin, my aide, and many others. Another officer joins them. Sir, amid the general confusion, some narrowly escaped. Howe looks at him, disregards, and gives orders. Reduce the lines to three across and spread out. Patterson, lead the second line. They start up the hill again. Cut to the redoubt, which is as quiet as the tomb. Warren is positioned between Tom and Jeremy. He looks at them with courage and nods and squints, and they are imbued. They mirror in kind. Soon the British start back up the hill, and Prescott says in a low voice, with a harsh whisper, as he bats down aimed rifles. We're low on ammo. Now wait until they are almost upon us. Put up your rifles. Wait. The redoubt is now almost surrounded by the British, who wear confident looks as they think the rebels have retreated because it is so quiet. Great pause. Fire, Prescott yells. Sheets of continuous fire pour forth. General Pagot and his men are staggered and retreat 150 yards, cut to behind the rail fence. Pete says, I'm going to beat you, Jackson. No way, Jackson says. Shit, been shooting since I was born, Pete says. Stark, they're coming again. Sharpshooters ready? Ready. Who's got more? You or Jackson? I do, sir. 37 to 34. Get on it, Jackson, Stark says. You're the man. Anyone hit over there? No, sir. Redcoats and Howe in his scarlet red coat emblazoned with his eight-pointed Masonic star close now. And the Brits open fire. Americans return it. A little later, we see Howe assisting his wounded officers as he still tries to advance. He tells them he will come back for them and signals for men behind to attend to the wounded. Pete yells, 38. We see him put the used gun behind him and receive another loaded one. To his loaders, Jackson says, 35, hurry up there. We're going to win. This kind of conversation repeated up and down the line, camera close and then pulled back to see more of the field as sheets of fire continue. Cut to the Fletches. McClary says, get him, Jamie. That one over there. Hit the officers. Knowlton, keep going, men. It's them or us. We hear good shot and get him. Get him. Scene 24 at the rail fence in the midst of a fierce firefight. Jackson, we're hitting everyone. Stark notices that one officer is left standing, is about to fire, and then lowers his gun as a look of compassion becomes his face with thought. Stark yells, cease fire, cease fire. Calls are heard down the line to cease fire. Pete, wait a minute, who is that officer we missed? The Brits are mostly dead in front of the rail fence. Stark is moving swiftly at Pete. Cease fire, Pete. He knocks down Pete's rifle. Listen to me, boy. He ain't doing nothing. Shit, look around. All his men are dead or wounded. We ain't savages. Pete's face changes as he pulls out of carnage mode. 
200 men behind the rail fence are watching the lone British officers standing close to them in a sea of his dead and wounded comrades. Some of Stark's men wear a look of disbelief as they rest on their guns or the fence looking at the lone officer. Camera cut to the officer. The moment segment lasts about one and a half minutes. It is eerily quiet. The lone officer standing is General William Howe, who is at the rail fence. He looks slowly around. All of his men have been hit, except his servant, who stands with Howe's flask that has a bullet hole in it. We see and hear the contents slowly dripping out. Howe watches that. As though he is in a meditative state alone, Stark and his men observe and feel this strange occurrence, as does the next British line, which is at a distance. Howe is now turned toward the redoubt, which is over 200 yards on his left, and being attacked by General Pigot. We hear those battle sounds distantly. The entire scene has been slowed. A close-up of how finds his eyes to be blissful. He has the light, radiant smile of a saint. This is Ecclesiastes 3. He has made everything beautiful in his time. And this was what the samurai experienced, who was always looking for samadhi, the perfect flower in the movie, The Last Samurai, where the samurai near death feels the petals blowing in the wind and knows God's reality as he utters perfect. They are all perfect. General Howe utters slowly, God, God is. Now all visible form on the screen slowly starts to fade and soft pearlescent light, not of the sun, illumines the whole. Joseph Warren in the redoubt and in the midst of a firefight is sensing something as well. We watch as he turns toward William Howe. The two of them are now illumined on the screen each stands in the circle of divine light as all else fades into shadow on the perimeter. They are lit as though a cloud has opened up and the light bursts through to reveal two heroes who have been regenerated right then and there for God's purpose. They have broken through the foul and ugly mists of human perception that did seem to strangle them. And now they see with God's eyes. Hal's left hand is holding the hilt-top of his sword, while his right, under the diagonal sash he wears, is resting on his heart. We see Joseph Warren's stance, now mirroring Hal's, and as Hal's left hand leaves the hilt-top and is placed over his right, and X marks the spot over his heart's center, we see Warren do the same. Each perceives and knows the other's thought instantly in true fellowship as they nod heroically to each other from within the mantle of God's true and perfected self, his word. After a while, we see Hal's friend, Colonel Patterson, approaching. General, 
we must go now. Patterson feels it, and Hal shakes his head as he tries to free himself from God's fullness. Yes, Patterson, I must see to my men. Patterson knows something spiritual is happening. General, no one was firing. Hal looks at Patterson wisely before he speaks, as though to his very soul, for Hal is in fullness and feels all. No need to. Patterson studies his commanding officer as they walk down the hill together following their men who have already sought safety in distance and wants what Howe has. Patterson then feels something come to Howe with greater force from within his bosom. This is God's doing. No man has seen the Father except the begotten son from within his... Sorry, sir? A close-up on Hal's face reveals his eyes, quiet inwardness, and then we see him redouble his effort as he shakes off God's fullness and refocuses outward on the objectified plane. Let's regroup the men, cut to behind the rail fence, Colonel Stark and Reed are stunned by what they have witnessed, as are many of their men who converse with each other about the moment. What just happened there, Stark said. I don't know, and no one was shooting, Reed says. They obeyed your command to cease fire, all of them? Reed, a fellow mason, that officer, with that eight-pointed star, that one's a master mason, royal arch degree there. Reed says, very like the weirding way, as we Scottish sometimes say. An officer in a scarlet coat, six feet tall, with a giant sun on his uniform, and he's left standing. Jackson and Pete missed him. How? Why? Stark shaking his head. Reed under his breath. Meant to be, Stark. Stark doesn't hear him. They're retreating. Reed will hold. They will regroup and make another attempt. But that was something. Never thought about it before, Reed says. How many of us are Masons? Masons fighting Masons. Stark nods and adds that it comes to him who fear not death. Toward what end? The same one Reed contemplates? <laughs>